My name is Humble Gray, and I am a Mississippi farmer. Strange phenomena are born in, ladies and gentlemen. Strange phenomena indeed. Started last Thursday when yours truly headed to the fields to see if the sorghum had reached half bloom. Turns out it had, which was no surprise, as I am vigilant against the cutworms and midges. But what did surprise me was the observation that some of the plants had been flattened into a disc shape. I walked over to inspect it and noticed that right beside it was another disc of flattened plants, and another, and another. In fact, they went on for acres, having taken out probably a third of my crop. Well, I was bum-fuzzled and not a little ticked off besides, because that was money out of my pocket. So I called the County Agricultural Extension, where I spoke to the agent, a young fellow named Dill Addison. And a real nice gent he was, too, this dill. I asked his credentials, and he was right forthcoming. Mid-South born and bred, with an ag degree from Ole Miss. Graduated cum laude to boot. Not so shabby, I'll say. Not too shabby at all. Discs in your field, says he. You say you got discs. Precisely, says I. Thousands of perfectly good specimens of grain sorghum, just crushed and useless. Well, that's a head-scratcher, says Dill. So tell you what I'll do. I've got one of those what you call drones here, and it's fitted with a camera and everything. With your permission, I'll fly it over your field so as we can better assess the situation. Bring on your technological wizardry, says I, and let's solve this conundrum. So Dill, he showed up that very afternoon, pulling from the back of his jeep a four-propeller flying machine with a thing called an FPV camera mounted beneath. Can't say what FPV stands for. Maybe farm peaky view? Yeah, but don't quote me on that. Anyway, good old Dill, he sends this science fiction device way up in the sky and, working two little knobs on the remote control, flies it over the sorghum field. Well now, says he, viewing a screen on the control, take a look at this, Farmer Gray. And he shows me a most remarkable sight. Seems all those squashed down discs? When seen from above, they form a doggone pattern. It's called a triskelion, says Dill, an interlocking triple spiral. What you've got here is that which is known as a crop circle. A who's it's what, says I? A crop circle, says Dill, a weird anomaly that has appeared across the globe, geometric patterns etched by someone or something into farm fields. And who might that something or someone be, says I, because I would certainly care to have a word with him, specifically about the evils of perfidious trickery. Well now, says Dill, there are those who think it's aliens. Aliens, says I. You mean Mexicans are making funny shapes in my sorghum? No, says Dill. I mean aliens from outer space. Not that there's any proof, just speculation, that's all. Sorry, says I, but that doesn't hold water. Little green men traveling countless miles across the airless void, 
just to bedevil me with their handicraft? That stretches credulity. And what do you think would make more sense, asked Dill. I don't know, says I. I guess if you'd have told me it was Jesus coming down from heaven, using his holy powers to give me a sign, now that I could buy. Of course, there's a third possibility, says Dill, which is maybe some of the local boys did it as a joke. So I looked again at the complex symmetrical shape on the screen, and then I sighed and said, considering the average GPA around here is 2.7, the idea that any of our children could have done this is crazier than aliens. Fair point, says Dill. A few minutes later, drone in hand, he said he was sorry he couldn't offer me some better resolution, but I thanked him for his time and he took off. Then I looked out over my devastated field and shook my head. If that's you, Jesus, thinks I, why are you messing with my sorghum? But Farmer Gray is nothing if not prepared for adversity. You don't spend a lifetime wrangling with the soil and battling the elements just to be knocked flat on your back by bad luck. No, sir. You do as I've done, which is protect your crop. Protect it with a policy from the guaranteed Farm Fellows Insurance Company, a firm whose motto, take it easy, we're here, instills supreme confidence in their product. So I telephoned my agent that very afternoon. A fine gentleman goes by the name of Henry Price. And when he gets on the line with a cheery hello, I say, No time for pleasantries, Henry. There's been mischief at Gray Farm. Mighty sorry to hear that, says he. What seems to have occurred? Lost a good twelve acres of sorghum, says I. Maybe more. It's hard to estimate. Goodness, comes the reply. What was it? Hail? Draught? Blight? Jesus, says I. Beg pardon, says Henry. Jesus, I repeated, our Savior has struck down my crop. Uh, how so, asks Henry. He took his mighty finger, says I, and drew funny pictures in it. Funny pictures, you say, says Henry. That's right, says I, funny pictures, and now I need recompense. Well, Farmer Gray, says Henry, let me take a look at your policy. And I could hear him tapping on the keyboard at his desk. Now, says he, I brought up your file, and, well, I see root rot, leaf spot, cyclone, flood, and fire, not to mention numerous other natural disasters. But artwork from our Savior, it's just not listed. Aren't I covered for acts of God, says I? Yes, yeah, says Henry, acts of God, but not acts of God. You know what I mean? I said I did not, but he assured me there was a difference and that, therefore, I would receive no compensation. Well, that led to a few choice words from me, which I dasn't repeat in mixed company, and I slammed down the receiver in a huff. Then I looked heavenward. I love you, Jesus, says I, and you saved this poor sinner's soul, but next time you want to send me a sign of your divinity, could you write it on a note instead of in my fields? Sorghum's going for three twenty-five a bushel, and that's a pretty good rate. That night, exhausted from my indemnatory misadventure, I fell into a deep sleep. But some hours later, I awoke with a start. Bleary-eyed and disoriented, I presently realized that my repose had been interrupted by a loud humming sound. 
a hum so basso profundo, the very walls vibrated like a tuning fork. And in tandem with the hum, there was a green light shining through the bedroom window. So what I did was, I grabbed my old Remington, pulled on my boots, and, anxious as I was to address this strange intrusion, tromped off into the front yard clad only in my nightshirt. Well, there was nothing in my line of sight. That is, not until I raised my head, followed quickly by my weapon. For there, hovering about fifty feet above the yard and giving off that same green glow, was this, I don't know what you call it, a triangle-shaped thingy, I suppose? A vehicle of some sort? But whatever it was, it stretched maybe eighty feet from point to base, and Lord, wasn't it admitting that confounded hum. Naturally, I, I didn't know what to make of it, so I kept my rifle trained on the target and walked beneath it to get a better look. That's when, bang, a beam of white light hits me, and you'll be thinking I've been nipping at the homemade, but folks, I promise it's true. That white light hits me, and sure as I'm sitting here talking, my boots lifted right off the ground. In fact, my nightshirt started lifting too, so I dropped my Remington to keep my modesty, holding the garment down as I floated toward what looked to be a hatch opening in the belly of that, that, well, for want of a better word, that craft. Only then did the logical explanation for my circumstance occur. Ladies and gentlemen, it seemed as if the rapture had come, and Farmer Gray, that hard-working, church-going, clean-living paragon of rural America, was ascending to heaven. Gee, thinks I, chuckling to myself, I wonder what the Jewish people are doing right now. Anyway, the momentousness of the event was, I suppose, almost too much for a modest tiller of the fields to take in, for it seems I passed out, passed out cold. When I awoke, I found myself inside the thing I had just been outside, laying on a cold metal table of some sort. And what's more, well, sir, what's more is I was not alone. For standing beside me was this feller, at least I guess it was a feller, but more about that in a moment. There was this feller there, about four feet tall, covered with gray skin and with a big old head and giant black eyes. So I, still going with the rapture scenario, and not a little woozy, I say to him, I says, Hello, Jesus. You look very different with a shave. And his face wasn't all that was naked neither, because I also noticed that our Lord and Savior bore nary a stitch of clothing. Moreover, and this gets back to whether or not this feller before me was a feller at all, I saw that twixt his legs there rested no devil tree, like I noticed when my cousin Larry's boy took the camouflage pants off his G.I. Joe. Twas the same situation. Twarn't nothing there. Good gracious, says I, and I thought crucifixion was the worst thing happened to you. Then I heard a voice, but it wasn't coming from Jesus's tiny little mouth. No, it was coming from, well, from inside my head, like he was talking to me via some kind of brain rays or something. And he says, I am Captain, well, I couldn't quite catch the name. It was Smorexa for Blitzen Moxenschwitz or something like that. I don't know. And he says he's traveled here to Earth from the planet we call Proxima Centauri B. To which I replied, you mean you're a Martian? And he says, no, I just told you. I'm from Proxima Centauri B. It's a whole other place. 
So by now, it's pretty much dawning on me that this isn't Jesus, which was highly disappointing, I must say. On the other hand, I do prefer my son of God without the weird big head and eyes, so that was some consolation. Still, if I wasn't being raptured into the arms of eternal salvation, I was pretty curious why I was on board this triangle thing piloted by a Martian from some other planet who's missing his block and tackle. And I pretty much said so, too, without adding that part about his nandies. After all, he might be sensitive about that. So he used those brain rays to answer, his reply being, I told you, stop saying I'm a Martian. And although it was kind of hard to tell, I'd swear he rolled his eyes at me. Then he continued with, We left you a message in your field last night, which should explain why we're here. At which point I replied, Left a message in my field? Did you do that to my sorghum? Yes, Earthling, says he. You see, the design is actually the formula for a protein. You took out a dozen acres, says I. You know that, right? A formula for a protein, the Martian continued, that could end human disease. I was fixing to clear $50 an acre, says I, and that ain't chicken feed, though I could have bought chicken feed with the money, quite a lot of it too. End human disease, says the Martian. All you need do is summon the world's greatest scientists to your farm. You got a ray gun that'd work on my insurance company, says I. Not a death ray gun, but... One that'd make them pay me the money I'm owed, you know, for what you destroyed. Summon Earth's greatest scientists to your farm, repeats the Martian, his brain now sounding a bit exasperated, and tell them to decode the molecule. Because we're talking a loss of like $600, says I. Maybe that doesn't sound like a lot of money to you Martians lolling about in your fancy outer space mansions, but to a farmer, that's it, shouts the brain voice. Call me a Martian just one more time. Just one more time, uh, says I, uh, Martian? Next thing I knew, I was waking up in the sorghum field, and it was dawn. I limped back to the house, experiencing terrible pain in a place I daren't specify, almost as if a long metal probe had recently been inserted there. What's more, I sensed that there was something different in the sorghum from the day before. So at nine o'clock, I called Dill again over at the extension. Say, friend, says I, could you bring that flying thingamabob back over here? I need to take another look at my crop. Showed up around 10.30, and before you know it, got his camera airborne again. Oh, golly, says Dill, showing me the screen on his remote control. I hardly know what to make of this. I could understand his consternation, for the screen revealed that the pattern from the day before had been erased, and in its stead, well, there were two words. The first began with an F, followed by three more letters, and the second was Y-O-U. What do you suppose it means, asked Dill. I'll tell you what it means, says I. It means I'm out 600 bucks. Yes, sir. Play me out, Zeke. <laughs> Thank you.